You're listening to the Can Dare Podcast, your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. So strap yourselves in and prepare for victory! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley, and we're taking the week off in lieu of the holiday season. Uh, We hope you all had a good Christmas and are having a good New Year's and safe as well. But also, as you know, whenever we take a week off, we don't leave you empty-handed. So, like I mentioned in last week's episode, which was a great episode, by the way, our Christmas episode, be sure to check it out if you haven't already. We're going to be leaving you with an interview we did in our 2014 Christmas episode, with the late Yvonne Craig, who's better known for her portrayal as Marta, the slave dancer on uh, Star Trek, but probably best known for portraying Barbara Gordon Batgirl in the Batman 66 series. We get to talk with Yvonne about how she got into acting, uh, her experience working on Batman and on Star Trek, and even uh, her experiences and her friendship with Elvis Presley, which I found beyond interesting. It was less than a year after we recorded this interview that Yvonne lost her battle with breast cancer, which was hard for us to hear, as well as her entire uh, fan base, I'm sure. But we find this interview to be a nice little tribute to her, as it really shows you how kind, outspoken, and just charming she absolutely was. So get comfortable and enjoy the interview, and uh, you'll soon find out why we consider it one of our favorites. And uh, without any further ado, here's our interview with Batgirl, Yvonne Craig. Our very special guest today is a famous ballet dancer and actress who's been in many television shows and movies over the years and has had the privilege of working with Cesar Romero, Adam West, Bing Crosby, and Elvis Presley. She's best known for portraying Barbara Gordon and her alter ego Batgirl in the original Batman TV series. Ladies and gentlemen, the beautiful Yvonne Craig. Thanks so much for being with us today, Yvonne. It's my pleasure. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, and the same to you. Well, thank you. Are you uh, you're a big fan of the holidays, like the, uh, like the hustle and bustle and all that? Well, I just like the family part of it. You know, it's really nice because we all get together, and as we get older, um, you know, it, it isn't so much about the little kids and and then Santa sliding down, <laughs> sliding right. down your your chimney with soot on his face. But um, but it's yeah yeah. I'm, I'm Christmas is probably my favorite celebration of the year i I tend to get more into it once all the shopping's done then then you can just kind of lay back well i do it all year long oh so you're smart well uh, oh no i just don't like crowds and people yanking things out of your hand with i saw it first and you think Mm -hmm. oh dear and this is supposed to be holiday goodness (laughs) and cheer i don't think so so i kind of you know see things all year long but the bad part about that is i put it someplace safe so i'll remember at christmas and then i say where could it be what could i have done with that (laughs) that's what i'm always worried about doing yeah, so it, it has its downside. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've done that when I purchased a gift like a month before Christmas, so I'd probably be in some trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do you have to travel very far? Is your family close? Or I, I know you no, grew up very in Columbus. Close. Well, yeah, but there's no family left there. Uh, my oh, okay. my parents moved to Texas, as did my family, in 
I was 14, and then I moved to New York when I was 16 because I, I graduated high school early and, and joined the Ballet Russe. And then as my, my mother and father retired, uh, my sister was living out here with me, and so too was my brother living out here. And so I just said, you know, it would be a good idea if you guys came out and lived. So they lived, my mom and dad lived about um, an hour away and about 20 minutes away from my sister. And uh, my sister's two sons live in Burbank, which is about 45 minutes away from me just because of traffic. Sure. And she's about 50 minutes straight up the highway. So we see one another once a week at least. And, and of course, we talk every day. Sure. <laughs> well, that <laughs> makes it nice. Not to do a lot of traveling. No, not at all. Not at all. Well, it's it's going to be at her house this year. And um, and she has <laughs> she has this new dog and I don't know oh I think I think we're all too old for puppies oh he's been <laughs> he's been now trained and back in reform school and he isn't a whole lot better <laughs> we may just have to resign ourselves that he is going to be a thief. <laughs> oh wow! Well, that's how puppies do, right? <laughs> yep. Yes, we, we're not putting up a tree this year because I said just as sure as we do, it'll be on the floor, and we will be pumping his stomach for the you know oh, did he did he eat that? Well, I don't see it on the tree. He must have eaten it. <laughs> we have an artificial tree, and our cat loves to chew on the bottom branches. So all the bottom branches come to a very fine point where he's been chewing, and it, it's no secret anymore. <laughs> Well, you're lucky he doesn't climb and sit in the center of it. I had a cat that did that. And then you can't drag them out because they drag all the, the stuff with them. So you have to wait for them to come down. <laughs> so many cat owners are feeling our pain right now. I know. I know. But they're worth every bit of it. Yes, they certainly are. They're wonderful. Can you tell us, how did you get your start first in, in ballet? Was this something that was introduced to you like uh, from your mother, or was this something you just took up on your own? My mother took me to the ballet when I was 10 years old, and I, strangely enough, saw the Slavenska Franklin Company. Uh, Mia Slavenska and Frederick Franklin had a small company, and I saw them and said, that's just what I want to do. And so I ultimately, when I went with a ballet company, the, um, the premier danseur uh, was Frederick Franklin. It was Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo. So, um, so I got into it because I, you know, I had wanted to do that, and we moved to Texas when I was 14, and, um, and I was very disappointed because I was, uh, I was afraid that I wasn't going to find a good ballet school there, and I found one that was not only good but excellent, and Alexandra Danilova, who was with the original Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo, um, came because she was, she came to my school because she was looking for a wealthy oil man to marry. <laughs> and, uh, well, Texas, you know, you think you'd find one, right? right Instead, sure. she saw me dancing at a Christmas party and, um, and sort of mentored me and set up a scholarship fund that sent me to New York when I graduated high school in order to study at the New York City, um, not New York City Ballet, but School of American Ballet, which was run by Balanchine. And I auditioned for New York City Ballet as well as, as Ballet Russe and, and really, really wanted to go with Ballet Russe because they did story ballets and, and New York City Ballet didn't. 
and um, and it was it was just really a good fit. I, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. So then, how being so wrapped up in ballet like that? How did that how that uh, turn acting? Being an actress, well, hmm, <laughs> it happened in a strange way. There, there was a man who saw me dance because we used to play the um, uh, Greek theater in the summertime uh, out here, and he was a producer and he saw me dance and he called the critic of the the that time we had a, a newspaper called the Citizen News, and he called her and said I would like to meet this young woman and so she said okay, so she called me and said I'm going to give him your phone number he is legitimate he is doing a movie at at I think it was Universal at the time or maybe it was Republic Studios but anyway. It was doing it he was doing a real movie and she said he wants to talk to you so I climbed on a bus and then a streetcar and then another bus and finally got out to where he was and he said I would like you to be in this movie and I said well I don't have any interest in being in a movie I'm a ballerina you know I want to be a ballerina sure. and so he started marching around the office you know waving his arms and saying do you know how many people how many people could would give their left arm to be in here blah 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 you know and, and I finally said to him listen just stop yelling at me you invited me here. It took me a long time to get here. I'm telling you the truth. I don't want to be a, an actress, and so don't yell at me. It's your fault for inviting me. And so he thought it was spunky. <laughs> so we became friends, and when when I um, I had finished dancing with the Ballet Russe, and I was waiting to go with the uh, Marquis de Cuevas company in Monte Carlo, and um, they were taking me in as a soloist and um and so I had a chance of, of of studying until I went, and I thought, well, I I could either study at a studio in Chicago, which was quite good because my teacher in New York had developed a TB and was not wow. teaching, and so I thought, well, I could go to Chicago or I could go to Los Angeles, and and the only reason I went to Los Angeles was because they had a raked studio. Do you know what that is? I do not. Well, it's it's it, there are lots of theaters, but not for dancers that have a raked stage, and it makes it easier for you to see the, the what's going on because it isn't a flat surface; it's slightly uphill. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so um, they had a raked uh, studio for reasons I know not, and um, <laughs> and so I thought I don't want to have to learn to dance all or you know re reposition my placement due to a raked studio and then find, you know, I'm dancing on a flat stage again. So I came to Los Angeles, and the fellow that that had decided I was spunky invited me to dinner. And we were sitting in a restaurant, and um, John Wayne's son, Patrick, was going to star in a movie, his first movie, and John Ford's son, Patrick, was going to produce it. And the producer and the director were sitting at the bar, and and my friend and I, the producer and I, were sitting at a table eating. And they came over and said, "Excuse me, are you an actress?" And while I'm trying to swallow, and saying, "No, I'm not," and waving my arms like, "Wait a minute, when I swallow, I'll tell you the whether that I'm not." My friend, the producer, said, "She is, and I'm her manager. What can I do for you?" 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so they explained that it was a movie and that it was going to be a first. It was with uh, Dan O'Herlihy, who was seasoned, and uh, Dennis Hopper, who was seasoned and had a reputation you wouldn't believe. And it was about it was a, a series done by C.V. Whitney. He he backed it. The first one being The Searchers, and John Ford directed that. And then the next one being The Missouri Traveler, at which time uh, C.V. Whitney uh, met and married um, Malou, who was the lead in it. And this was going to be the third in the series. And it's about the, the killing of a Mexican once California had no longer been a territory but had become a state, and you weren't allowed to do that. And so, um, so Dennis Hopper was the killer, and uh, Patrick uh, Wayne was the young sheriff, and I was the love interest. <laughs> and I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do bad things like this, but when I went to the preview, of, I guess it was the opening of it, they had written the part larger as, as they decided they liked me, but in the meantime, she slows down everything. I mean, you just get the you just get the ball rolling, and then in walks the lead the leading lady, and says stupid things like, "Okay, I'm going to my aunt's for dinner." Well, who cares? I mean, <laughs> and unfortunately, I said that, <laughs> not knowing you shouldn't actually badmouth your own picture. Right, right. <laughs> so anyway, um, nobody was very pleased with me, but it was the truth. I mean, I would like to have seen a lot less of her just for the sake of the story. And when you're in a ballet company, it's not about you. It's about the production. I mean, you may do the lead, and that part is about you, but everybody wants to do well. And so um, so more than once, I've been accused of, of you know, cutting my own lines because because I think, but you can see this, so why would you say it? You can see it. And, um, Makes sense. <laughs> it, it does make sense. I mean, you know, have, how, many, how many things have you seen in a film where somebody is holding a gun on them and they say, the, the character says, I'm going to shoot you, and the other one says, I know, you have a gun pointed at me. We can see that. <laughs> <laughs> Not many. That kind of thing happened just recently when I was watching the uh, movie Maleficent uh, last week. Oh, yes? Towards the end when Sleeping Beauty's sleeping and... She gets a kiss and wakes up, and then a guy across the room has to say, "Oh yes, love's true kiss." And I was like, "Really?" I mean, no, no kidding. Yeah, we we get that. Yeah, we thought she was just you know drugged and asleep. <laughs> well, that's really cool. I mean, so many people are out there trying to land a an acting career, and an acting career came and found you. You know? Yes, <laughs> that's and amazing. I, and 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 I tell you, it's it's not it's demoralizing when when you're you know talking to a group of of young people in college and they're studying to be actors. And I always say to them, you know, this was happenstance in that time, and ultimately, I did study because I think it's important. And even if you are na a natural actress, which I was. You still need something under you so that, that if a director says to you, what are you doing? You can say, well, I think that she thought this and that's why I'm doing that, as opposed to, oh, my God, busted. So, uh, 
So I think it gives you a, a lot of, uh, I think it gives you confidence. I really do. And, and I'm all for people, you know, if, if not studying, then going into workshops where, where they can sort of stretch their wings and, and do things that they wouldn't ordinarily be hired for just because of the way they look or the way they sound or whatever. Right. Yeah. Now, you've been in so many, you've made so many appearances in television shows and movies over the years, but one of your most famous cameos would be in the Star Trek episode, Whom Gods Destroy, and you played the slave girl Marta, correct? Right, right. Now, she was one wacko. <laughs> <laughs> but she could dance very well. Well, they when they interviewed me for this, they, they said, okay, um, are you able to do a three-minute dance? And I said... Well, wait a minute. Are you asking me if I'm physically capable of doing a three-minute dance? Are you asking me if I could choreograph a three-minute dance? And my question back to you is, yes, I could do both those things, but why would you want three minutes of a person dancing? That's like the red shoes. I mean, that's a long time. And so, um, so you know, I mean, I guess in their mind, three minutes isn't long, but if, if your show lasts 22 and you're three minutes into a dance, it's all about the dance. True. I, yeah. I think three yeah. minutes is a long time to watch somebody dance if they're not good at dancing, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. See, <laughs> <laughs> well, she was good at being crazy, but, you know, you've heard that old joke about ready when you are, CB, you know, when all the cameras are supposed to be in place and this is an epic movie and everybody is in place and they say, Action and everybody does their thing, sure. and then he says, "The director says, did you get it?" And each of the cameramen say, "Ready when you are, CB." And so, I mean, they didn't get anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happened on the Star Trek. We blocked it out where it was supposed to be. We didn't have you know, 20 million cameras, but we blocked it out where it was supposed to be. And I stayed within those confines, and I made up this dance while I was going along, and then I finished. And then they had a huddle, and then the cameraman said, I didn't get it. The other cameraman said, I didn't get it either. I mean, <laughs> and so we had to do it all over again because they didn't know where I was going or what I was doing. Oh, wow. So it was, it was nothing. I mean, you know, it was not a big deal. But, um, <laughs> but I just thought, and this is show business. Ready when you are. <laughs> Well, the dancing was great. It was it was wonderful. I think it was. Did they leave the full three minutes in? I don't remember exactly. No, how long it was. no. Um, somebody showed me the other day. It was interesting because a friend of mine called me and said, "I'm." He does a movie every week and invites people in to his house, and they have junk food actually, and um, and watch movies. And so he said he got he had a Blu-ray of uh, of my uh, Star Trek. And he was going to run it, and would I come and you know comment? And I said, oh, I can't think of anything worse than sitting there watching yourself do something that you did a hundred years ago. You can't fix it if you don't like it, but it's boring. And right. so, and so he said, um, well, would I would do it as a favor? So I said, okay, I will. And it was beautiful. The Blu-ray is just, it's the color is stunning. But um, but I was interested in it because um, <laughs> there's a scene there's a scene where they blow me up and and I was the green paint was really hard to keep on I mean it was just it was impossible and they I, I had to be that green but they didn't know what they had used on. Uh, uh, 
uh, what was her name, Susan Oliver, in the original, and she was in the first season. So they tried everything on me. Every day it was a new kind of paint, and it wasn't sticking, and it was terrible. And the day that we shot that scene, they had had sprayed me down with a liquid bandage so that, you know, so that they wouldn't pull, as they dragged me, they wouldn't pull the paint off of me, oh, and then I, I would have skid marks. So liquid bandage does not hold if you're perspiring. So as I raised my arms to say, don't, don't kill me, I looked down, and in my pits it looks like Spanish moss. And so, <laughs> it was horrible. And so I said to, I said to the the, the uh, the cinematographer, does this bother you? And he said, no, no, it's, you know, it's a small screen. They'll never see it. So oh, I thought, okay. With well, with Blu-ray, I thought, oh, my God, we're going to see this <laughs> massive Spanish moss. moss. <laughs> That's right. Well, apparently they can get that out. So you didn't see that. Oh, really? <laughs> I was very oh. happy. <laughs> Man, the power of editing, yeah. right? Yep. yep. Incredible. <laughs> So what was the uh, rest of the cast on that show on Star Trek like to work like with, like uh, Leonard Nimoy oh, and William Shatner? Leonard Nimoy is one of the funniest men I know. <laughs> he, is he? He was, he was wonderful. Um, they had shaved my eyebrows off. You know, it's 5.30 in the morning, and your eyes are closed, and they're making you green, or they're hoping it'll stay, and all of this stuff, and they're putting on your makeup, so you just close your eyes, and there you are. So when I went home at night and saw that they had shaved my eyebrows so that I just had two little tufts, I thought, you know, they, they should have blocked it with mortician's wax because they could have done that. I don't have bushy eyebrows. Right. So the next day I'm talking to Steve Inet, who was a friend of mine, and I said to him, I am so angry that they shaved my eyebrows. I said, you know, if, if my eyebrows don't go back, I'm going, I'm seriously thinking of suing them. I'm just really angry about this. And so Leonard saunters over and he said, Yvonne, I couldn't help but overhear what you were saying, and uh, and just let me reassure you that you know before I started this, I went to see a dermatologist, and because they they did make his eyebrow shaved, and he right. said I went to see a dermatologist, and he assured me that anybody who can grow a beard can grow their eyebrows back, and with that he turned and left. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, he's got some nerve, huh? <laughs> Oh, wow. So I thought he had a great sense of humor. He really did. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. he seems like he'd be a really nice guy. He he was, and he and he um, he's a wonderful. Uh, he's uh, he writes poetry, and he's a wonderful uh, collector of art. Is he? Um, I've been really fortunate in in not now. I haven't seen his collection, but I do know that he you know supports art and and has collected, and so too did um, Caesar. Uh, no. Uh, Vincent Price on uh, the Batman. Oh, and, wow, yes. And, yeah, yeah. He had a wonderful art collection. And he had studied, to, I guess, had studied to be a fine artist. Um, I know he painted because he and a group of actors used to go on tour, and they would go to motels where, you know, really ugly paintings are, and they would overpaint them. Oh, and then really? Leave them. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he wrote about it one time and said, well, I got into this motel and I thought I had my work. Cut. No, somebody's been here ahead of me and done it. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, That's I, that was, yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea he was a art connoisseur. Hmm. Yeah, his daughter wrote a wonderful biography of him. 
And uh, I just finished reading it, and I mailed it back to the guy that had loaned it to me. It was just terrific. It just told you everything about him from the time he was, you know, from the time he started. Sure. And uh, and he was around a lot. I mean, he was a matinee idol in a movie called Laura. Do you remember that movie? I do no, not. You're no. You guys are too young. <laughs> <laughs> We're so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I barely remember it because it was, you know, it was a long time ago. But, um, but he, you know, he was quite nice looking and, and uh, a matinee idol. Now, is that someone you've kept in somewhat of contact over the years, or just not really? No. Uh, I don't think I, I kept in contact with with anybody really. I mean, sure. I kind of don't hang out with actors. Gotcha. Um, when we had our 20th reunion of the show was the first time I had seen everybody all together and um, and uh, Alan Napier and I hung out together and he was just a fascinating man. When we were doing the show, you don't have time to hang out with anybody because we shot those shows in three days. Oh, wow. And so, you know, and you would be getting purple pages, which meant this is what we hoped you had shot. But since you've already shot it, we just thought we'd like to be, an up, you know, updated on what we wish we had told you to say. But, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but Alan was fascinating. And, uh, and he was in the midst of writing an autobiography, and I don't know whatever happened to it. I went to his funeral. I met his two daughters. I think one of them was... Adopted, but I'm not sure. Anyway, um, they seemed not to know what they were going to do with it, and one of them didn't know what she was going to do with it, and the other one didn't even know that it existed. And wow. uh, to this day, it, it you know it has never surfaced. And it's amazing because he he was disowned by his family, who would cross the street in London. Um, because he wanted to be an actor, and he was around the same time as Laurence Olivier, and and had worked with him, and they had his family just sort of said, you know, you'll never be anything. You're too tall, and besides, you're not really, you know, attractive. Oh, that's horrible. That's, yeah, isn't that nasty? Yeah, yeah, so very yeah. cold. Yeah, I want to go oh. smack up. My- <laughs> <laughs> and with reason. Maybe that book will uh, find its way out one of these days. That would be lovely. I would love to read. I'd listen. I'd settle for reading the galler, the galleys. You know, sure. <laughs> I just want to read about him. Well, hope I hope you get that chance. I hope so too. So let's get right to Batgirl. How did you land this role? Well, um, I had been looking for a series to do because because oddly enough, and, and you probably understand this, how many times do you look at at somebody who is a guest star and say, oh, that's um um. I don't know, but you see him or you see her all the time, and you yeah. don't connect the name yeah, with the face. You mean. So I was looking to do a series because I wanted that connection of a name and a face rather than, oh, it's a, well, we can't remember, but anyway, we see her a lot. And so um, I had done several pilots that didn't sell, and my agent called me and said they're thinking about, uh, and, and Batman was really hot. and. And I must preface this by saying I never read comic books as a kid. And so, and and as a young adult, I felt that television should be above portraying comics. I see. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I thought it should be, you know, uh, Playhouse 90 or something. Anyway, um, so he said they're they're thinking about adding a character, and um, and I had worked for uh, Howie Horowitz, who was the online producer on lots of shows that he had done, 
and I had had met Bill. Um, <laughs> my name. <laughs> I'm having a moment here. Um, <laughs> oh, you just take your time. Anyway, I I had met the the producer of it, and um, and he, when he was doing my sister Eileen. And and so he had called me in to, to read for my sister Eileen, and at that time he said, you know, my sister Eileen, uh, we're we're, uh, we're changing the um, lead, and um, and I had long dark hair, and he said, would you be willing to um, wear, you know, color your hair? And so Dum Dum here said, no way, I'm not coloring my. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Why would I be accommodating? <laughs> right. That'd be too easy. <laughs> so anyway, he said. Uh, I said to him, uh, "No, actually, I wouldn't. But I would be happy to um, to just, you know, wear a wig." And he said, "Well, we can't do that because, of course." Bill Dozier, um, Mr. Dozier understood what television is about, and ultimately he said to me one time, you know, television is really about selling toothpaste. I mean, if we do something wonderful with it, that's that's a good thing, but it essentially is to sell a product. And so I said, okay, and it turns out to be right. He was a very smart man. But anyway, so we had this discussion, and I said, well, he said, why Why would you not wear uh, – I said I would wear a wig, and he said that won't work. And I said, why? And he said, well, because people will see you walking down the street, and they will then ever after that when they're watching the show, they will look for wig lace. Mm. And yeah. then I said, and shouldn't have, so my agent told me, I said, well, not if the lines are worth it. Oh. And so, <laughs> you just say, right, what comes to mind, don't you? <laughs> my, sister, my sister said, we will never know if you've had a stroke or not because you don't have that monitor. But he <laughs> tells you, don't say that. <laughs> so anyway, I, re- I told my my agent that I had said that, he said, you will never work for Bill Dozier again. You will never be invited to work for him. How could you do this? So, you know, pass. Bill Dozier called me in, said, you know, we're planning to do this. And uh, and I have to tell you that Barbara Gordon is fine, but, but that girl, because they've drawn her with a red wig, you're going to have to wear a red wig. Do you have a problem with that? <laughs> Uh, that was my idea to begin with. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't. And he said, I'm sure you've seen our shows. And then, of course, I said, well, I haven't, but I will. <laughs> I mean, if if I get this role, I definitely will spend the summer watching reruns so I know where I fit into the plan. And so he said, okay. So I went from an audition of just, you know, having a, a talk to wardrobe, and we did the seven-minute presentation, which I think is now that they've they've released the um, the DVDs. I think the seven-minute presentation is is in that that whole system, but I'm not sure because I haven't opened mine up yet. But um, it was only supposed to be seen by the executives at ABC to see whether they wanted to incorporate that character or not. And so it was kind of a just, you know, a quick introduction to who she might be. And um, 
And so when we got ready to, you know, they, they do a thing every year in Chicago. I think it is always in Chicago, but I'm not sure because it's the middle of the country. They do it for independent stations, and it's to lure them and say, you know, this is, this is what we've done. Uh, will you buy this hour? Will you buy this half hour or whatever? And so um, they said, we want you to go back to that because, you know, they'll be introducing you as, as, as Batgirl. And I said, well, have we heard from them? And they said, no, but we'll, you know. And I said, well, I'm willing to go back, but don't get me in a position where they say everybody who's going to be on on Tuesday night stand up, don't get up, Yvonne. And so he <laughs> said, no, <laughs> we won't do that to you. As we're going through the tunnel from the hotel into this big auditorium where they're going to announce things, the guy from ABC ran up to me and said, they bought it. They bought it. You're on. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was that close. Talk about last then, minute. Yeah. And then the other close encounter was I was standing in the wings, and they were saying who was on when. And, and I heard what I thought I heard was that girl. What I heard was that girl. Oh. And so as I almost went out on stage, someone grabbed me and said, no, that girl, Marlo. <laughs> <laughs> what a first so that impression was, that would have been. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that have been fun? <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm that girl. Hello. <laughs> well, we should have done shtick about it. Well, I thought I was. No, no, I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a anyway. good story. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. That was a fun show to do. You know, it was a fun show to watch, too, and then still is. It's on IFC now all the time. But growing up, you know, obviously we're not old enough to have caught the original run, but it was on syndication all the time, and... I'm going to say what a million people have probably told you time and time again, but uh, the episodes when you'd see Batgirl and the opening credits was always so exciting. That's great. That's that great, because it was exciting for me. I couldn't believe that they were paying me to go in there every day and do things that were really fun. Yeah, for sure. It, it yeah. just looked like it would have been a blast all the way around. But yeah. one thing that was uh, really cool about uh, your character was the costume. I mean, you were always kind of wearing the costume without people knowing. Your cape was like the skirt that would flip inside out. And well, if I'm not mistaken, enough, that's only in the, in the seven-minute presentation. Oh, and really? that was Yes, and that was simply... That was caused by by wardrobe and and uh, you know additional expenses. They didn't want my hat turned into a cowl and my skirt turned into a into a, a cape. And um, when I was in the library, and and they did that for the sake of just introducing you know how it would kind of look. Because if you ever see that presentation, I think it's on my website. But if you ever see that presentation, it um, it's a whole other bike as well and a whole other mask oh really and yeah yeah and and the reason they and and you don't want to flip the skirt i mean otherwise i'd have to wear that dumb looking skirt every time i <laughs> yeah i mean that would have been ugly right. <laughs> anyway um so they 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 just did that for the seven minute presentation and the rest of it was all set up in the secret room and, and you can see it you can see stuff hanging you can see the the wig on um on the red wig on a wig stand uh in my secret room so that you know how i how i evolved into uh batgirl right 
but um, but the costume was wonderful. The costume was, you know, this coming from a, a person who was a dancer, you're always in leotards anyway, so it was not a chore to wear that. Um, it was made of a very lightweight um, stretch fabric, and uh, and so you could move in it, and had a zipper all the way up and down the back, so you could, it was easy in and out. And the only reason they changed the look of the cowl was because um, it, the other one looked more sinister and bat-like because it was pointed. But the, the little eye mask part of it had right. points. But the bad thing about it was we were doing quick changes. And so <laughs> the little points would leave dents in my face. I looked like I, was, I had been crying. So then you have to wait for my face to fluff up so I can be Barbara <laughs> Gordon. So that didn't work out well. And so they, um, they, they just made it you know, a, a nice sort of circle. Well, you answered my next question. I was going to ask how how the costume just looked like it probably wasn't comfortable, but it indeed was. Uh, it was really comfortable. Yeah. Now, when you if you ever talk to Lee Merriweather about hers, and hers was made by the same woman, um, and it was black. She just said she hated that costume. <laughs> she still talks about how uncomfortable it was. Sure. So I don't know why hers was, and unless it just has to do with you know what what was your background? Well, I was in. Another uh, leotard that was just made of a different fabric. I read somewhere that uh, Julie Newmar said she got to, you know, make any some modifications to her outfit. Did you have any input on the the final look of the outfit at all? Knowing Julie Newmar has a <laughs> has a rich fantasy life. The woman. <laughs> <laughs> the woman who designed Julie's costume and my costume had one, Pat Bartow, she's dead now and she can't rise from the dead and say, no, she's wrong. Um, Pat Bartow had won lots of, of costume awards. She was an award-winning costumer, and she was just, she was wonderful with, with you know, drawing and, 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 and implementing those costumes. So, um, no, no, I did nothing other than just get in it. Yeah, it was an awesome costume. I loved it. It was. It was. <laughs> the one in in Star Trek was the really awesome costume. You mean the head to toe green? It it was. It was the smallest costume I've ever seen, and I had to dance in it, as you know. Right. And uh, and I said to them, I am adult fe- an adult female, and this can't move. And they said it won't move. We promise you. It was cut way down to the waist in the back. It was cut way up on either side, way down the front, and it was all on a hook and eye. On the, I mean, the whole thing was held up by a hook and eye, and oh, so wow. on around the neck piece. And so, I said, "Your shirt's not going to move." No, it's not going to move because the woman who is designing this costume designed uh, costumes for the Folie Bergère, and all of those women. Did not shave and did not, you know, they and they danced in it, and so uh, it was a wonderful costume. It was so comfortable and it was just really, it was really neat. And if I've, I've never stolen anything, and so you know, but if I had my, if, if I had my wildest fantasy, I would have stolen that costume. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be somewhere out there, right? I don't know where it might be. You know, you just never know what happens to those things. Should be yeah. a museum. Well, maybe like I, I would hope so because like the that. guy who who uh, did the designs for a lot of the costumes on um, Star Trek was just uh, he just had a wonderful eye for how things should look. 
Now, on Batman, you wanted to do all your own stunts. You did perform all your own stunts? Well, I wanted to do all my own stunts. And, of course, you know, Howie Horwitz said, no way. We don't want you injured. And so the day that we shot this, I woke up. They they hired a stunt woman. And I must say, she was wonderful. Her name is Audrey Saunders. And I don't know whether she's still around. In those days, they didn't have a lot of stunt women. And the ones that I had seen kind of walked like wranglers. And so they acted like they just got off a horse. And so you think, oh, God, I don't want, you know, somebody to think I walk like that. So I had said, you know, I can do my own stunts. And he said no. So they hired a stunt woman, and she was meticulous about watching how I moved. And so we did did that seven-minute presentation, and I got to do some of the work. And then she did some of it, and you can't tell who's doing what. And um, and so I felt, okay, well, she moves well, and, and even though I'd like to be doing my own, um, you know, I approve of her. I really do. And so they had her, I don't know how long I'd have to look at, at uh, because somebody asked me the other day, and I said, look, look up the call sheets, because, I, you know, it's 50 years later, who remembers? And so, um, <laughs> yeah, who was on the set that day, and what were their names? Right, sure. Anyway, <laughs> so, but, um, but she got a better job. Well, first of all, she didn't ride a motorcycle, and I did, so we knew I was going to do all the cycle work, because she didn't ride a motorcycle. And, um, and so... Uh, she got a better job. She was she was doubling um, Julie Andrews in a movie, and I don't know whether it was Darling Lily, um, but it was something you know it was something around that that time. Sure. And so so she took that job, and then I said to them, "Okay, I can do this." And the reason I can do this is, I know that you don't want the guys to do their own stunts because people are taking punch you know are are punching at them. They don't punch girls in the face. I mean, they just don't right. do that. So the choreography is they reach out to grab you and you spin away from them. And it's all ballet and it's all choreographed and it's all on on counts. And everybody who works in stunts knows that you're on a count and it's in your head and you've rehearsed it. And if anybody's off that count or missed a mark, you hold up your hand and say stop because, I mean, otherwise people get hurt. Right. So they said, okay. So the first thing I did was I left out of bed. I was so thrilled that it was going to work. I broke my toe. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I didn't want Howie to know because <laughs> it was my little toe, so it was no big deal. But So I taped it to its friend next door, and I go in and I work, but off my leg is coming this, you know, I mean, it's now it's got subcutaneous bleeding, so it's bruising up my ankle. <laughs> oh, my God. And so we're in the show where I'm supposed to break through the window, and and I, I broke through the window, and I'm there, and and the stunt people were so happy that I had done it so well that they hugged me and they stepped on my foot. Oh, Jesus! So, <laughs> <laughs> so win. then Howie looked down and said, oh, "Look what you did! Look what you did! <laughs> you went through that window. You did something horrible to your foot." And I said, "No, I did that getting out of bed this morning." Well, he was not willing to believe that. <laughs> Wow. She said, you but just it did it to me, stepping on my foot. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
So anyway, but um, but but it was true. They they let me do my own stunts, and it it made it made for a faster day. You know, you spend a lot of time. Right. Even if you even if you do a fast shoot, you're still spending a lot of time waiting for them to light. Sure. And so. Um, so I didn't have to spend any of that time. I would be off, you know, in a corner with the choreographers doing, doing the stunts. And then there's one section where it's in a cantina, and I can't remember. I, I can't remember who all was in it. But anyway, there was it was a fight scene in a cantina, and they're supposed to take this guy and throw him in one of those big pots, you know, that they have that are decorative in, in Mexican restaurants. And yes. then I'm supposed to take a small pot and smack him over the head. Well, I got him in sideways, and, and I didn't want to lose the count, and so I just smacked him on the flank, which was the only thing sticking out. And that was okay until we went to see the dailies on it, and, and they let me see the dailies because I was interested in knowing how everything got cut together So, uh, so and Howie Horowitz had been a film editor. And so he said, if you want to see dailies, you can see them because I know you're not going to change your performance. You're just going to look and see you know, how we cut this together in the end. So I said, absolutely. So <laughs> we go in there and it's filled with men. And as I smack him on the flank, it looks like that's not what I did. And all the men went, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And so they put a pow over that, and nobody knew. And about, I don't know, eight years later, I'm walking down Hollywood Boulevard, and this guy comes up to me and says, Hi, Yvonne, I'm so-and-so. And I looked at blank, and he said, I'm the guy you hit on the, on the flank. <laughs> <laughs> and then hid behind the pow. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So anyway, it was that could fun. be a book title right there, behind the pal. <laughs> it could be. Everything we that didn't would be. A, yes. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> what was the cast like? Was there any like any favorite moments you can recall? A couple. I mean, we we just shot so fast. We never knew anything about one another because we were just shooting so fast. Right. But and we didn't hang out together because we just didn't. I mean, we all had our own lives. So I think Bert was married at the time, and Adam was dating everybody he could find, and um, <laughs> and, I was, <laughs> and I was going with someone. So you know, we didn't we didn't socialize together. But um, but what was really what amazed me, and to this day does, and and um, and now I'm hearing Adam give interviews, and that wasn't the way he felt, but um, but he was very um, he was he was very gracious, and he was very um, welcoming when I went on the set, and he, you know they said this is Yvonne and she'll be playing Batgirl and blah blah blah, and he was he was all of those things, and I and when I look back on it, I think okay. He had a hit show. He was playing two characters. Bert was playing two characters. They had, you know, the commissioner, and they had, they had the aunt, and they had, you know, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So to add another double character of that girl and Barbara Gordon, and take up film time with her, um, it's taking film time from somebody. And sure. it could be, you know, it could have been Adam. He had no way of knowing. And um, and I just thought he handled that so well, and I never felt that I was intruding, and I never felt anything but welcome. And, um, and you know, that's a testament to his good behavior 
or the way he really felt then, or you know what he's saying now, which was he was pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like he'd be a very nice guy, and that's good to hear. You know, some people put off that nice guy image, but behind closed doors can turn to be you know a real jerk. So that's, yeah, that's good to hear. I I notice Adam as he gets older. Adam on his own is just delightful. Adam with his manager is a whole other ball game because his manager is so paranoid. Really? You know, yeah, his manager is is sure that everybody's trying to cheat Adam out of something or it's just it really and, and there's no way to stop that. Right. And 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 I have tried on a couple of occasions because you know they did. Yeah, you can bet. Uh, <laughs> unsolicited advice yet again. <laughs> anyway, but um, yeah, it was a, it was a lovely set, and the the crew all liked one another, and and the cast liked one another. And uh, you know, and we all, except <laughs> except for my not caring very much about Rudy Valley, we we all really liked the uh, guest stars. They were really fun, and they were having a good time because it was something that they would not normally have done in their career. Wow. You know, Rudy mm-hmm. Valley was just a churl. Yeah, it seemed the whole show seems like it was really a, just a moment in time because there's really been nothing like it since then. I know, and it was a wonderful look. Yes. Um, you know, it was just, it was really the first time anybody had seen a car, a, a comic book come to life. I mean, you've seen cartoons, but this is a live action comic book. Yeah. And they yeah. kept those cartoony bright colors too, you know, right. it was uh, very stimulating right. to the senses. Yeah. And I think probably um, that's one of the reasons that, you know, little kids like it. And even today, little kids like it. They like it for the power and the color and the and all of that, and their parents are now getting the double entendres that happened. Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why I enjoy watching now. I yeah. mean, I remember a lot of these episodes from when I was young. But you see, and I thought you were just looking now for the color. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a fun show, though! What a blast! That would have yeah, been. yeah, it really was. It really was. Now, over the years, different people have portrayed Batgirl, uh, Alicia Silverstone in the Batman and Robin movie. And I just learned this today. I didn't know this. Melissa Gilbert uh, voiced the character in the Batman animated series in the uh, early 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, what mm-hmm. did you think of any of these different incarnations of the character, or did well, you even care? When No, I did care. Um, when Alicia Silverstone, and it's really funny because I talked to somebody the other day who was there when she got my note. Um, Alicia's, when, when I heard that Alicia Silverstone was going to play Batgirl, I sent her a note and said, you know, I enjoyed you so much in Clueless, and I just know you're going to do a wonderful job with this and, you know, carry on the tradition and blah, blah, blah. And um, and I didn't know that she burst into tears when she read that. I mean, really? that's sweet. Yeah. He said, you know, when I talked to her about it, he said she just, uh, because it was somebody who was going to see me one day and then they were going to see her the next day. And they said, you know, we told her about it yesterday and she just burst into tears (laughs) she's either hormonal or she really (laughs) 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 i was i was disappointed in that in that entire movie um oh yeah i thought chris o'donnell was going to be an interesting and fun um uh robin 
and I couldn't wait to see George Clooney because I had seen him on a lot of talk shows, and he had a, a quick sense of humor and a twinkle in his eye, and sure. I thought, he's just going to be terrific as Batman. I mean, you'll be wondering what he's thinking the whole time. And it turned out that, you know, it, he looked smirky. When they told him that, that the butler was going to die, you know, they, he he was just before giggling. I mean, I couldn't believe I thought, what is he doing? I mean... <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, yeah. yes. Yeah, it was a smirk, and, and it just happened again and again. And so I just hated him as Batman. And uh, and then I didn't like Chris O'Donnell, who whined about he wants a car, he wants a car, he wants a car. Well, yeah. get over it. And so and then they turned her into somebody I'd never seen. You know, I mean, why would you change Batgirl into um, to the butler's niece? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It didn't and make any sense at all. And put everybody in RoboCop costumes, and I don't know. They should, have been, they should have been given stunt pay just to wear them. I mean, I don't know how you move in something like that. Yeah. So it was, it was a disappointment. And then the funny thing that happened with uh, Melissa Gilbert doing The Voice, I went out to audition for that. A friend of mine said, you should go talk to, to I think her name is Anne Romano or something. Anyway, they said, you should go out and talk to her because, I mean, you were a bad girl, and so go yeah. out and, and talk to her and see if... And so I went out, I made an appointment, and I talked to her, and she said, no, we're we're looking for somebody famous to do this. Oh, she... <laughs> What? <laughs> what am I, chopped liver? Like, <laughs> and and then she said, you know, like Glenn Close or something. And so I thought, okay, you know, I mean, yes, Glenn Close is more current than I am, but um, but then they used Melissa Gilbert, who I didn't think was famous. I mean, certainly she was known, but she wasn't famous. Sure. So I don't know what happened. But <laughs> wow. Anyway, I didn't do it. How perfect would that have been? Not that Melissa D- Gilbert didn't do a good job, but I mean, to have yeah, history repeat itself. Yeah, I never saw itself. it. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never saw it really. I, I saw all the Batman movies because I figured, you know, I was going to get questioned. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I have to have an opinion. <laughs> and then here we are. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So, oh man! Well, how yeah. very cool. I don't, you know, I, I feel like we're keeping you too long. I really appreciate you giving us this much time. I just had a few more questions for you, though, okay. and relating more to uh, your work with Elvis. You had done a few movies with him. Uh, it happened yeah. at the World's Fair and Kissing Cousins, and you guys right. ended up becoming friends, right? Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. He used to call me Bug because I really? wore big sunglasses, and he thought I looked like a bug. <laughs> <laughs> so how, we were you... we were friendly when we were on this, you know, when we were working together. Um, we went out to dinner together. Well, we went into dinner. Uh, he never went out anywhere. Um, and so, you know, he invited me to his house for dinner and stuff like that. And we were friends. But um, and then, you know, we'd be driving down in, in the olden days. <laughs> in the olden days, it wasn't as crowded as it is now. So, you know, you'd pass a car and it would be Elvis in one and I'd be in the other one. And he'd go, Bug, how are you? <laughs> and so um, but, but we didn't hang out together because shortly after I did um, Kissing Cousins, I think he got married because she was on the set. And she was on the set of um, she was more on the set of Kissing Cousins than she was on uh, on It Happened at the World's Fair. Or I was more aware of her because I was a leading lady in Kissing Cousins, and I was a, a vignette in uh, It Happened at the World's Fair. What was the man like? What what was he like? And um... he was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> he was he, he hmm. It, <sighs> 
I don't I don't know how many other people felt this way about him. I mean, when you look at at the age difference, um, he had found success way way early, and and of course, and here's more unsolicited advice advice I was giving him. But but you felt like you didn't want. I felt very protective of him. He seemed unworldly, and you didn't want him to know that anything bad could ever happen. Really? You really just wanted to protect him from bad things because he was so kind and he was so nice and he was, and he was the, one of the most professional people I've ever worked with. I mean, he was on the set. He knew his lines. He knew – it was interesting. He even knew what the fans expected of the Elvis Presley persona. Because we were by out, I don't know. He was singing to me again, once again. It's kind of hard when people sing to you because you know when you're in a restaurant, don't you just hate it when the mariachis come by and you think, <laughs> oh God, you know, <laughs> you don't know. Do I go ahead and eat? Do I give them the my undivided attention and then never leave, or do what? Yeah, so, <laughs> it's in a really awkward situation. Well, it is. And so when somebody sings to you in a movie, and then finally I figured it out the first time we did a rehearsal, and I thought, oh my God, I wonder. And so I just pretended he was talking to me because the song did have lyrics. And so I just paid attention to the lyrics and pretended he wasn't singing them but talking them. He just, he was just a a kind, wonderful soul. He was very professional, but when we were, when he was singing to me by the tree, he said, "Uh, Can you step closer to me? And I said, Sure. Because I didn't want to be in his space, and he said, the fans expect that. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Really? And he does know that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, a man who knows his craft. Yeah, he did. (laughs) He really did. You know, I've only seen that happen in one other occasion when I watched um, uh, Mick Jagger. And somebody got on the stage, and he was very well of where, uh, well aware of where they were, and how to avoid them until somebody from security could get them. But he never broke that thing with the audience that this is all spontaneous, and I'm just doing it off the top of my head. And then you said, "Whoa, he really knows what he's doing." Yeah. Incredible! How many people can say that? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, a lot of people say it, but had. it isn't true. I'm sorry. <laughs> I see a lot of people say it, but it isn't true. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what I'm doing. I doubt that. Most of them are probably in government. Right. <laughs> what, a, how, what an amazing career. I mean, yeah. the things you've uh, seen, the people you've met, the things you've done, how awesome. You've been doing, or maybe not so recently, but you were doing voiceover work. Are you still doing that? I was. Um, well, whenever I get a chance, yes, I was. I uh, I did um, I did a voice over for uh, a cartoon character named Olivia. And do you know? Do you have children? I do not. Okay. Well, there's there's a book. It's been out for quite a while. I mean, some of those kids that read it when they were little are now teenagers. But it, Olivia is a little pig, and she um, and she wears red ribbons in her ears, and she just has a wonderful life. And she has a grandmother and a mother and a father and a sibling. And uh, and I think they have a pet of some sort, but I can't remember what. Anyway, um, they decided to make um, a cartoon out of it. And so um, they were auditioning people, and uh, they let me play the grandmother for the first season of it. And, uh, and it was fun. It was fun. Sure. You don't have to look your best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you could only see me now, that's the best thing about that's just right. recording audio. <laughs> that's right. 
And so, uh, and so the little girl that I was working with, her name was Emily, and I thought she was about eight. She was 12, but she was little. And, um, and so this was the first time she said to me, have you done this before? We were in the booth together. And she, she watched me, and I took off my shoes because I always record without my shoes because I, I don't know why. I like to feel the earth or the <laughs> carpet or whatever. So, <laughs> anyway, I'm standing there barefooted, and so I take off my shoes, and she takes off her shoes. And then she said to me, have you ever done this before? And I said, well, I've done voiceover, you know, and, and, and uh, looping before, but I've, I've never done a cartoon. Have you? And she said, no. And I said, well, Emily, we're in this together then. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. she starts to, I, and I don't use the headphones because it makes me sound like, I mean, it makes me crazy. It sounds like I'm talking in my own ear. Right. So I took off my headphones and she starts to take hers off and they yell in the booth, Emily, keep your headphones on. <laughs> so she's doing everything I, I do. And it was a snoring scene. And so her, she's with her grandmother and her grandmother is supposed to be, you know, keeping her awake because she's snoring. And so I started with just sort of a... And then got louder and louder until I had one of those sleep apnea snores. <laughs> Snort. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so when we finished, she said, you did that very well. <laughs> so I said to the girl who had cast her, do you think I can take her home with me? And then when she gets to be the educate, you know, the, the time when I have to send her away and spend a lot of money putting her through college, her parents can take her back. Right. <laughs> Ideal situation, right? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> anyway, she was adorable. And, um, and that was a fun job. And then, uh, then my husband and I moved <laughs> unsuccessfully and came back here. But we moved two years ago, and we just we moved back about three months ago uh, to uh, South Lake Tahoe on the Nevada side. Oh wow! And uh, yes, and we were at seven thousand feet in a three-story house. Now, all the unsolicited advice that I give is to older people, and I say to them, you know, as you get older, you need to think. You need to live in a one-story house or a two-story house that if you were to have anything wrong with you and would need, you know, uh, to be in a wheelchair, because I had broken my foot and I was in a wheelchair for about four months. And so I said, you need to um, have a place where you could put an elevator if you needed to, you know, if it's something permanent. And so... So I said, you know, you should you should think about that when you buy a house. Well, we bought a three-story house. There was no place to put an elevator. It was dumb. Um, <laughs> we were <laughs> we were sea level people, and we were at seven thousand feet. <laughs> sure. I always say to them, and make sure that you are in an area where there is good medical care. So um, we weren't. Um, <laughs> if, <laughs> If you had a, any kind of a heart problem, you would have to drive, uh, and if you could make it there, you would have to have somebody drive you an hour into Reno so that you could see a real doctor because there aren't any up there that, that don't understand it. They, the only thing they understand, they'll hate me for this, but the only thing they seem to understand well is you know a compound fracture, which has <laughs> happened from a ski accident because that's what happens up there. <laughs> but if you should have anything ornate or anything that kind of requires specific medical care you need to get out sure. and so i just, you know it was just it was it was beautiful god it, it was like just it. gorgeous wow. 
Yeah, it, we had a we had a view of the lake, and it was unobstructed. A view of the lake and the mountains behind, and every day the sunset was just spectacular. But you know that doesn't make up for a lot of other things. Sure, sure. <laughs> like there is no ballet company there. There is no classical music station. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, you have to give up a lot for that view. Uh, and then when you go to the senior centers and say, well, maybe they have, you know, photography classes or bird watchers or something, they say, oh, yes, we can tell you what we do. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we do bingo. And Tuesday, Thursdays, and all day Saturday, we do Texas Hold'em, which oh, I wow. guess is a gambling game. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I want out. Yeah, you better have a deck of cards in your pocket, it sounds like, or you can't have fun. Yeah, the people are lovely, and, and everybody, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it has a lot to offer. It's just this is the wrong time in my life, I think, for that. Sure, right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, anyway, it was uh, interesting. Well, Yvonne, you've been an absolute joy, and I, I feel so horrible we've taken up so much of your time, but it has been yeah, amazing to talking worry. with you. Not to worry. Thank you. I've enjoyed it, and uh, and you know I, I I'm committed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, and have happy holidays and a great 2015. Yes, it's, you too. Happy holidays, Yvonne. I look around the world and I say it has to get better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's hoping. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Yvonne. Bye uh-huh. bye. All right, everyone, and there you have it, our interview with Yvonne Craig, Batgirl. Uh, We really hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as uh, we enjoyed making it. And uh, when you get time, head over to YvonneCraig.com, and you can uh, see a whole bunch of different pictures, uh, read up on all her uh, TV and movie credits, a lot of cool stuff going on on that website, or even just throw her name into Google, and uh, you'll find a lot of cool pictures and uh, stuff about her there. Then after you're done doing that, head over to our website, candarepodcast.com, where you can uh, check out past episodes, read up on the episodes, uh, check out our wall of heroes, all kinds of stuff to do over there. And uh, find us on Twitter at candarepod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And check out our YouTube page. And hey, while we're asking for stuff here, head over to the iTunes page and subscribe and or leave a comment for us. You have no idea how much it helps us out. So please, 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 if you have a few extra minutes, squeeze us in there. We're going to be coming back next week with a brand new episode. So get ready for that. We're really itching to record another episode. So uh, I'm excited. So uh, hopefully it turns out good. And uh, so until then, I'm Jeremy Colley. Thanks for listening. Try a podcast. Spirit! Spirit! All the comic and pop culture entertainment you could want in the Candare podcast. Finally, a form of entertainment not fully reliant on visual stimulation. Now we know! And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe!
I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.